Hi, my name is Kanwal Sarai, and welcome to the Simply Investing Dividend Podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Ben, the founder of Sure Dividend. In this interview, Ben shares with us his knowledge and experience as a dividend investor. In part one, you'll learn how Ben got started in dividend investing, his first investment in a mutual fund, and how he's investing in today's economic climate. In part two, you'll see what Ben looks for in a dividend stock, how he focuses on risk and return. He talks about his two worst investments and using dividends as a margin of safety. Let's get started with part one right now. Ben Reynolds founded Sure Dividend in 2014. Ben has long held a passion for business in general and investing in particular. He holds a bachelor's degree in finance from the University of Houston, and he started investing a little more than eight years ago. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Nice to have you here today. Um, I'm looking for a great uh, conversation. I'm sure we're going to have a great chat about dividend investing and all things around dividends and dividend stocks. So why don't we start in the beginning, right? You started uh, 2014, maybe a little earlier than that. What made you get interested in uh, dividend investing? Yes, yeah, so I, I started Share Dividend in 2014. Um, but before that is when I was really getting into investing in general and then dividend investing specifically. So I actually remember initially getting interested in dividend growth style stocks. Um, I was researching uh, just different types of investing, different stocks. And I actually had a, I could access value line through my library uh, card. So I'd access nice. value line and I, I'd look at different stocks and I don't know how, but I, I somehow stumbled across the dividend aristocrats. Um, so I downloaded all of the value line reports for all of the dividend aristocrats I want to say there is probably in the 50s of around this time, 50 or so. And I read those and that's seeing those long histories of steadily rising dividends, steadily rising earnings for the most part is really what got me interested in this style of investing and seeing just that longevity that they have. Yeah, that's great. And that's a great place to start with the dividend aristocrats, right? For anybody who doesn't know, can you just quickly tell us what a dividend aristocrat is? Yes. So a dividend aristocrat is a stock that has been paying rising dividends for 25 plus consecutive years and additionally is in the S&P 500 and meets a few minimum liquidity requirements. Uh, the main requirement there though is the 25 plus years of rising dividends. That's that's the tricky one. Yeah, and that is incredible. 25 years of consecutively increasing dividends or more, 25 years or more. And that's, yes. that blew me away when I first learned about the dividend aristocrats. That was in impressive. Uh, track record for any of those companies that are on that list. So Ben, how did you, uh, I, I know myself when I graduated university and I got my first job and my parents told me, you know, make sure you invest for your future, you know, invest in some mutual funds, index funds or ETFs. And that's what most people do. And that's what I did for the first 10 years. Did you do that or did you automatically say, no, this is not for me. I'm going to go into dividend stocks. I, I, the first uh, investment I had was a mutual fund. I actually remember 
I saw a financial advisor and I had no idea what I was doing. And I, you know, he was like, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And he was like, are you, you know, aggressive, conservative or in between? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, I'll just do one of each of those type of funds. And I said, okay. And <laughs> that, that was my first uh, foray into investing, you know, not myself, but the, my mm -hmm. first experience. That sounds a lot like my first meeting with a financial advisor. I think it went the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. So when what was the turning point then? So you put some money in mutual funds. I'm assuming you followed the advisor's advice. How did you go from then investing in mutual funds to individual dividend stocks? What was so the that, catalyst? I don't know specifically, but it was not not knowing you know anything about investing at the time to getting inter interested in it and being interested in business in general and learning about it and then saying, no, I want to, I want to handle my own investments and I don't want to be in these mutual funds. Um, so it kind of just, as I learned more about business and investing that, that changed things. Mm -hmm. Okay. So did you think, um, and I'll speak for myself, for me, it was, I realized that I could do better than what I was doing, getting with mutual funds or index funds over time. Was that a similar experience with you or? Yes. So that's, you know, when you start learning about this, well, I guess first, just my experience with the financial advisor and, you know, they spend 10 minutes with you and are like, you know, basically this doesn't concern me that much, you know, just, just do something. I'll put you in these funds. Um, and thinking back on that and realizing like, okay, this is really not personalized or this has nothing to do with me really. It's kind of, it wasn't a great experience. Um, but yes, uh, then learning about the fees that are charged and how, even if you're not, you know, the next Warren Buffett, just minimizing your fees can make you do better than those mutual funds. Yes, absolutely. That, and that's a big one, right? And uh, I'm sure you've looked at the numbers because I've looked at the numbers and uh, even a, a mutual fund, I, the average fee, let's say 2% or two in Canada, it's 2.2 across all mutual funds, the average MER. And uh, you put $100,000 in there over your investing career uh, with an MER of 2%, you're looking at over six figures in fees over your lifetime. That's incredible. It's a great point. And when you say six figures in fees, it, you know that number jumps out at you. But when you hear 2%, that, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it really is over time. And I think it's... I think if mutual funds sent you an invoice every year and you had to cut a check to them or, you know, you saw it on your credit card statement, they'd have a, a lot less people in their funds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you're right. The 2% doesn't sound like a lot. Uh, I just want to share something with you because I'm looking up some of the numbers here uh, that I had prepped before. Somebody who puts $500,000 into a fund, index fund, mutual fund, whatever, and we're going to take a very low fee. We're going to put 0.5% MER. Again, that sounds like a very low number. $500,000 invested at 0.5% MER. Over 40 years, you're not going to believe this, 1.8 million in fees is lost to fees. That, that is unbelievable. It's so, I just, you know, like the way compounding works, our minds, at least my mind, I think most people don't just pick up like intuitively that, oh, that 0.5% is over, you know, 1.8 million, like you said, like it, that just wouldn't intuitively occur to me. Yeah. But it's, it's and that's it's staggering. Powerful. It's staggering. And I agree with what you said. I mean, fees are huge. So if you can, 
and looks like you and I had sort of the same conclusion after investing in mutual funds is, wait a minute, if I can just reduce the fee or get rid of it altogether, you're already ahead of most people. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, it's a very, you know, it's low hanging fruit. It's, it's easy, easy to do that. Just investing in individual securities, um, you're, you're going to miss those fees and the, you know, the, the, I'm sure you're, you're aware of the other studies of mutual funds tending to not outperform anyway. So you're, mm -hmm. it's not like the guy managing those funds is just trouncing the market year after year and you're giving up all that. Typically they're not earning those small, you know, 1% to 0.5% to 2% fees at all. Yep, absolutely. And so we've talked quite a bit about fees. And so I'm hoping our audience is going to understand that that impacts your investments over time. What are some of the other then, what are some of the benefits of being a dividend investor? Are there any other benefits? Oh yeah, great question. And you know, fees while important, they're not the most exciting topic. Um, <laughs> a lot more exciting is the actual investing part in the companies that you're in. And that's, I think one of the huge benefits to being a dividend investor is the link between seeing that you're buying stocks on a screen and then seeing that you actually are having money come back into your account. So that, that links up that idea of, it's not just like a casino with tickers and numbers going up and down. You're seeing a link between owning stock in a business that's selling a real product or providing a real service. And some of that money is coming back to you. Um, and I think that's a huge advantage that non-dividend paying stocks don't have as much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you're, literally getting paid for owning shares in dividend stocks, which is incredible. Um, if you look at, even if we, we don't use any outrageous numbers, even if we look at a dividend yield of three and a half percent or 4%, that's the return on your investment every year while you hold on to the shares. Stock price can go up and down, but as long as you own those shares and as long as the company's paying that dividend, you're going to get that three and a half, four percent 4% per year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's powerful. I mean, it's the, it works in the opposite direction as the fees you were talking about earlier. So that you're, you're getting that building into your account and creating that income stream that when you're looking to retire, you have an income stream from your portfolio where you don't have to sell your stocks to get income. They're already paying it to you. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Not having to sell your shares and still having the dividend income coming in consistently on a regular basis, uh, that is huge. Um, so Ben, I'm gonna ask you, I already know what the answer is, but I'm gonna ask you this question anyway. So some people listening to this might be thinking, well, 3%, 3.5%, like the some of the dividend yields are like 2%, one and a half. I mean, that's not a huge percentage point. And so some people might be thinking, well, I can't retire off of that. Can you tell us why it's important to stay invested in dividend stocks? Because what happens to the yield every time a company, we talked about the aristocrats in the beginning, every time a company increases a dividend, what's going to happen to my yield? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, your yield on cost, which is an important concept, is going to go up. So, you know, like, like you just mentioned, dividend aristocrats. So say it paid um, a dollar a, a share in dividends in year one, in year 10, you might be getting 
$2 a share in dividends, uh, you know, fairly conservatively. That'd be like a 7% growth rate, I believe, roughly, which is very achievable. So your yield on costs would have doubled. So whatever your start, starting yield, if your starting yield was 2%, 10 years in, now your yield is 4% on your original mm -hmm. investment. Uh, so that you get that compounding, not only in the, the value of the shares, but also in your income that you're receiving. Yeah, absolutely. And if you wait another 10 years, assuming the same growth rate, it's going to double again. And I've been doing this for over 22 years as a dividend investor. And I can tell you and my audience as well, that I have a number of stocks now where the yield on cost is in the double digits. So we're talking 10, 14, 15, 16% a year just for holding dividend stocks. Yeah, it's, it's really powerful. And it's great to, to hear, you know, and, and there's people in the sure dividend audience too, I hear from where they, they have been doing it for very long periods of time. And you hear these phenomenal yields on costs and the real, real people really doing it, getting great results is really exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are you, as an investor, are you, uh, I know you, you run Shore Dividend, which is a great business. We're going to talk about that uh, towards the end. We'll point people in the right direction on where to find you. So I know you run Shore Dividend, so you're, you're in the numbers every day. You're looking at dividend stocks. But for an average dividend investor, somebody who's got a day job, they're busy with kids, they got a family, how much time would they spend per month or per, you know, how much time would they spend on researching stocks? It's, it's really completely variable. So you could, you could do this successfully and spend really a, a few hours a month doing it. Um, yeah. If you're going into high quality businesses, just making sure you're not paying too much, making sure you get a decent yield there, you're probably not going to have to spend a ton of time analyzing them. On the other hand, for people who it's a, a hobby or a profession, it can take up a lot of time if it's something you enjoy as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're like a do-it-yourself DIY investor uh, or like myself, like a money nerd, <laughs> you're going to spend a lot more time on it. But I think for the average person, I mean, I have clients who do maybe 20, 30 minutes a month, just a quick glance. They've been investing for 15 years already. There's not a whole lot of trading going on. We're not buying and selling every single day. That, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's, it shouldn't take that much time if you are doing a buy and hold approach and like there's not there's just not too much to do these aren't the type of companies that we typically t discuss and I'm, I'm sure you as well they're not changing overnight these aren't startups you know like they're they've been around a long time and they're not rapidly changing things and that's what makes them appealing yeah absolutely and when you say they've been around for a long time that's i mean i was just looking at coca-cola this morning just looking at some of the numbers they've been paying a dividend since 1893 since the 1800s. That's unbelievable. <laughs> that is. That's it's it's mind-boggling to think about how how long they've been around and and how the company the basis of the company is still the same. They're still selling soda, you know, but it's 130 years later. That's right. Yep. Uh incredible. And they've been increasing dividends uh, I think it's 59 60 years consecutively growing dividends, which is again incredible. Yeah, every year. And that's uh that's one of the the famous Warren Buffett investments where his I forget what his yield on cost is, but I think it's over fifty percent. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause he got it in the the what it's like eighty seven or eighty eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so Ben, you see what's going on right now in the economy with the inflation is higher. It's getting, you know, we're getting, we're seeing high numbers uh, coming out of the news. Um, the I know the Federal Reserve has increased their interest rates, same in Canada, same in the US. Interest rates have gone up. They've announced further increases might be coming in the next couple of months, uh, definitely in the new year as well. Are you worried at all about where the economy is headed today? So, I mean, short term, I'm concerned. Uh, long term, I'm, I'm not concerned. Uh, it's, you know, higher inflation is concerning. I mean, of course, just as we all live in the real world, our, you know, my food expenses are going up, my electricity, like every, all my costs are rising. Um, so it's, it's not nice to see. And at the same time, I am concerned about the economy, but it, you know, is it, is this going to be the worst time in all of history? I'm sure it's not. And I'm confident that, you know, the economy always goes through trouble, re recovers, same thing with the stock market. So long-term, I'm not, not worried at all. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, uh, uh, I, I feel the same way. And again, I, you know, if you've been doing it for a long time and I know there's investors out there who've been doing Warren Buffett's a perfect example. What is it? 50, 60, 70 years now. Uh, I've been doing it only for 22 years. Uh, but even in the last 22 years, I've seen a number of crashes. We had the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, uh, the tech bubble in 99 and 2000, uh, 9-11, the market was closed. The New York exchange was closed. Uh, and then recently with the coronavirus in March of 2020, and we saw a big crash in just one month. The good news is that every crash is followed by a recovery. So I think that should give us some solace that, you know, things look bad right now, and they are, that they, it will improve over time. Have you changed your approach, Ben, at all to, to how you're investing now? Or are you still investing the same way you were like two years ago? No, yeah, we've we've stuck to the the same approach. I see when the market's down, like it's you know it's down roughly twenty percent on the, I think probably still down roughly twenty percent. I see that as a buying opportunity, uh, and I you know because we're we're focused on the long term, so uh, I just see it as a discount and a good time to buy. Um, and mm -hmm. when when the market's up, we also <laughs> advocate buying, um, mm -hmm. just being selective in in what you're purchasing. Uh, so tell our audience what happens when the stock prices come down. What happens to the dividend yield as prices come down? And th this is another great thing about <laughs> dividend investing. Um, yeah, so when the price goes down, the dividend yield rises. So that Absolutely. means any yeah. any money you put in when the stock price is down is invested at a higher starting yield, which is you know you're getting paid more for every dollar you put in. Or if you're reinvesting your dividends, those are getting reinvested at a better rate. Um, so it's uh, if you think about it in those terms, you can almost get excited about the market going down. Um, maybe not quite, but it, but it's it can at least temper that you know the sadness of seeing your the price declines. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I'm I'm going to misquote him here. I think Benjamin Graham said something to the effect of, "When the market's down, stocks go on sale, and then you can pick and choose. Again, don't buy everything. Just pick and choose and be selective." And I've seen some of the stocks like three years ago that were yielding 2% are now yielding 4% or 3.5, 3.8. And so you're exactly right. The yields have come up as the stock prices have uh, gone down. Uh, so what advice would you have for someone who's 
afraid to invest in the market and they're just starting to invest. What would you tell them? My my best advice would be to so number one, you know, start investing. It is scary, but start small. Don't, you know, just put a little bit in and see how you feel about it. Uh, and number two, focus on the reason you're investing, which unless you're some sort of, you know, trust fund multimillionaire, it's probably to invest for retirement. So focus on building that passive income stream for your retirement uh, and, and look at the dividend income you're generating and and track that instead of the total value of your portfolio or track both, but pay more attention to the uh, dividend income your portfolio is generating. And it'll be it'll be a much easier, easier path psychologically to investing. Absolutely. And that's great advice is, uh, and I, and I, I do the same thing and I tell my clients the same thing. And I say the priority and the focus for us is the dividend income first before we, you know, start worrying or panicking about the stock price. The stock prices change every day. I could buy a stock today for $25. It'll go down to 20 tomorrow or 18, but that's fine. If I've done my homework and I know it's paying dividends and they're growing dividends over time, and then, then that's fine. Okay, so that's uh, that's good advice. I think the other thing I want to touch on very quickly is you mentioned that is to, to get started investing right away because time, being in the market, the longer you're in the market, the better off you're going to be. So if you're in your 20s, you've got like another 40, 50 years to go. And so start and don't wait. You know, I see people waiting on the sidelines. Like, well, I'm going to wait for this market crash to end. I'm going to wait for things to get better. I'm going to wait for interest rates to come down. Well, that could be, that could happen in, in 14 months. It could happen in 36 months. So I would suggest don't wait around, uh, right? And start investing today. Do you think that's a good approach? I completely agree. It's definitely uh, a good approach. And one, one thing I think about is I'm value conscious. So like I, I see the, the price earnings ratio for the S&P 500 if you look at it, the historical multiple, it's the average like long-term is a little under 16. The only time, if you would have said, I'm only going to invest when the market's technically undervalued based on the PDE ratio, you would have bought for like a month in 2009. And that's it over the last like 25 years. So you, wow. you, know, you, you just <laughs> never would have invested and mm. you'd have, you know, you, virtually you never would have. And it would have been very difficult to start investing in uh, March of 2009. You know, that's mm. that would have been a, a hard thing to do. Um, whereas if you would have just, you know, started buying whenever you can and just invested along the way, you'd have much more wealth than the guy who, st uh, you know, sat out of the market for 20 years waiting for that perfect time. Uh, absolutely. And you think about since 2009, look at how many dividend increases we've had. Companies like Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, right? They have continued to increase dividends. Um, I mentioned We mentioned Coca-Cola in the beginning, right? 59 or 60 years of consecutive dividend increases. Think of how many market crashes we've had in the last 60 years. How many market downturns we've had. But companies that, like that, they just increase the dividend. That's what I find really interesting about the dividend aristocrats and, and dividend kings which Coca-Cola is a dividend king. That's a 50 plus years of rising dividends. Mm. Um, to think about, you know, 50 years ago, there, there was no internet. You know, there's what, probably 
virtually no personal computers, no personal computers, uh, completely different world. And for them to have grown through that period and then the 90s and 2000s and all the changes that we've seen, it shows very few businesses can do that. And I think it's a really special thing and, and really interesting to look at and what kind of companies can actually do that. Uh, absolutely. And when you see these uh, track records, the history of 40, 50, 60 years of increasing dividends, that should give you some level of uh, confidence that, hey, they're going to at least pay me a dividend next year and the year after that and the year after yeah. that and hopefully increase it, right? Absolutely. And it, you, I mean, I think up until recently, Johnson & Johnson hadn't had a down earnings per share year in like 30 years. I think mm -hmm. they lost that streak like two years ago, but virtually all these, other, I'm sure all of the other dividend kings, their earnings fluctuate. And aside from the amazing power of their businesses over the long term, it also shows the importance of these dividend streaks to their management teams. They will increase their dividend a little bit, even when their earnings haven't grown for that year, because um, they it's it's very important to them. They don't want to be the CEO or the, the streak ended on, um, and they know their shareholders probably wouldn't be happy. So it's... It's a combination of the the business quality and then the willingness of the company's management to actually reward shareholders with those rising dividends. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a really good point because sometimes I'll get clients who will say, well, look, I want to look at the earnings per share for a company the last 25 years and I just wanted to see it going in a straight line up. Uh, that's fine in a utopia world, but in real life, we do have even the Coca-Colas and the large, you know, they'll have a dip and then it'll go, it'll go up again with the dip. As long as the trend over the last, you know, 20, 30 years is earnings are going up, that's good. But like you said, we could have a dip, but yet the company is going to still increase their dividend, which is good for us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we don't have to worry as much about, are we not going to get a dividend this quarter or this year? It's, it's much more likely it's going to be a priority for the company's management. Whereas a company that's paid dividends for two years, we don't know how much of a priority it is for them. Are they going to, they might be looking for a reason to stop paying the dividend. I know in, uh, you know, in 2020, some companies were stopped paying dividends and they should have stopped because they were, they were in serious trouble and you know, yeah. who could, who could really prepare for that beforehand. Um, but I, I feel a few companies, cut their dividends because they wanted to and they and they saw that kind of as a good excuse to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And a company with a, a long dividend streak is much less likely to be looking for reasons to, to cut. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are there certain things, uh, Ben, that you look for when you're evaluating uh, a company before you invest in it? What are kind of some of the things that you're looking for? To help event your, you are, at the end of the day, you want to minimize your risk yes. before you invest in anything. So what do, what do you look for? We continue our conversation with Ben in part two, where you'll get to hear his answer to my last question. In part two, we also discuss dividend traps. You'll see how Ben focuses on risk and return. He talks about his two worst investments and using dividends as a margin of safety. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Click on the like button as well. For more information on dividend investing, check out our website at simplyinvesting.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.